I'm going to be in, this morning, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, reading from verses 1, um, 1 through 12. Let's open up the word of the Lord. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a, a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in, in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in their fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Father, we thank you for your word Father, we thank you for this time to be gathered here together. Lord, thank you for this season that where we are reminded it gets darker and darker and then Jesus is born. Father, thank you for the hope of your glory, the radiance of your glory surrounding us. Father, I pray that that would be the gift that you give to your people this season. They would know the radiance of your glory surrounding them. In the most mundane moments, in the middle of their work day, uh, in the middle of the night, Lord. <laughs> um, Lord, hanging out with family, sitting with people that maybe they're even in conflict with or their attention with. Father, that we would know the radiance of your glory surrounding us. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to lift these words from the angel of the shepherds off of the screen for us, off of the pages for us. And I want this to be a point of celebration this morning. The angels arrive to the shepherds here in, in the fields, and these are the words that they tell them. You will recognize him. You will recognize him. I think one of the things that all followers of God long for, one of the deep desires of our hearts is, is that we want to be a people that are able to recognize God. Right? That, that I think that if, if we were... Um, to stop and, and ask each one of us, it would be this posture of, of saying, yes, I would love to continue to know how it is God is leading me. I would want to be able to recognize his presence in my life. I would want to have a greater awareness of him amongst me. And I think what a gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. You will be able to recognize him. You'll be able to recognize him. I think uh, parents in this room can, can relate to this. Is there, there are times when I'm at a playground and, and as I'm sitting and I'm chatting you know, with a friend and my boys are out running around on that playground, that, that there's this ability is that you're mid-conversation with someone and your ears kind of perk up and you go, hold up, wait a minute. 
And amidst all the noise of, of the playground, amidst all the noise of the play and the conversation and the yelling and the fun that's happening around the playground, you're able through all of that noise to be able to stop and say, I think that's my child's cry. And there are these times, right, let's be honest, parents, where we've stopped and we've said, oh, wait, no, we can ignore that one. That's not my kid. Are we able to stop and be able to say, no, that wasn't a serious cry? That's the cry of my son trying to get his brother in trouble. We can ignore that one. But then there's other times where even amidst of all the noise and there are other kids that are crying and you're, it just kind of just flows right over you, but then there's these times you're able to say, nope, I, I know that cry. Hold up, I'll be back. That's a serious cry. We recognize, given this gift of being able to amidst all the noise and all the traffic and all the play and all the tension and everything that's happening there in that playground that you're able to recognize the voice of the one that's dear to you. What a gift from God. Do you realize the gift that's been given to you? the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. The Holy Spirit has enabled you to be able to recognize him, to be able to have an awareness for him, to be able to identify his movement in the world around you, to be able to, to understand and perceive the way that he is speaking to you and leading you. Do you realize that you really do have the hope of God being recognized in your life. That's an incredible promise, an incredible reality that we live in. I mean, listen to these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It starts off with this here in, in verse 9 by saying, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And then listen to this, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. You will recognize him. You will recognize him. Stop and enjoy the wonder of it. You, child of God, heir of heaven, you, you can recognize him. But there's another layer to it, isn't it? We've discovered that Jesus is, is often recognized, recognized in spaces that shatter our expectations. These words from the angel to the shepherds are a shaping, teaching, discipleship moment for the entire church. You will find, you will recognize him. Where will you recognize him? A baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. What? That's where we'll recognize him? Yeah. And get used 
to recognizing Jesus in unexpected places. Get used to recognizing him in circumstances and scenarios that will shatter your expectations. You will recognize him in spaces in your life that will leave you awestruck, in places that you did not think you would recognize him. That's where you'll see him. That's where he will reveal himself to you. The angels, the messengers of heaven, are teaching the shepherds and us how to recognize the presence of God amongst us. Here are those, here's the ways that you're going to recognize God move amongst you. So can we talk about them? Here's how you'll recognize them, right? It says here up on the screen, you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Contextually, what's happening here in this moment is, is this, and one of the ways that you'll recognize the presence of God amongst you, how do we identify the presence of God in our midst and moving amongst us? One is that there's this greater context of majesty and wonder. There's this greater context in which the shepherds are simultaneously terrified but absolutely overcome by joy. And there is just something about recognizing the presence of God that causes us to tremble but absolutely rejoice. There is something about the, the presence of God that, that, that the darkness within us gets absolutely terrified, but then there's a hope um, um, within us that says, this is the way that I need to go. But here are the words that we're going to be focused on. You will find a baby. Luke loves a good contrast. Luke loves a good comparison. If you remember from our sermon series just a few months ago um, in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, where we talked about Jesus for everyone, right? We talked about the fact that, that Luke loves to pair, have pairings. He loves to, to, to take these two different characters and show some, some kind of common theme amongst them. And so here he intentionally sets us up at the start of chapter 2 by introducing us to someone at that time the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman, uh, the Roman Empire. He introduces us to Augustus. And this is absolutely stunning, beautiful storytelling here by, August, by, um, by Luke, because who's Augustus? Augustus's mom was the niece of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar adopted Augustus as his own heir, as his own child. Well, eventually, the Roman state came to call Julius Caesar God of the Roman state. And, and Augustus was known as the son of God and the bringer of peace. So he intentionally starts his story off by telling us, here is the Son of God, the bringer of peace. And he issues a decree that a census should be taken across the Roman Empire, the entire Roman Empire. This is a whole world kind of a statement. And what is he doing here for us? He's introducing us to a character and a way to show us a contrast there's the way of Augustus. There's the way of this domineering power. This fierce authority that speaks in the language of decree. 
And then the passage ends with a baby. And it's intentional here of showing us, church, these are the two powers that are on display in your life. There's the way of Rome. There's the way of domineering decree. There is the way of authoritative power. There is the way of controlling. And then there's the way of humble service. There's the way of Augustus and there's the way of Jesus. And listen, the display of power by Augustus that commands the world to serve his will is not the place you will recognize God's divine rule. But God arrives amongst us like described in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 to 8. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus' arrival amongst us is humble. He came not to be served but to, but to serve. No, instead of looking at the power of authority, power and authority of Rome, look for the arrival of God with his humble family whose lives are disrupted by the domineering decree of Augustus. Look for the arrival of God amongst this scene, this setting of humility. As a dad, I want to take on the way of Augustus. I, I want to rule over my boys by domineering decree. Why? Because control is so much more comfortable. Rulership that just says this is how it's going to be is so much more comfortable for me. And, and, and listen, listen to these words from, from Bernard of Clairvaux. No poison or sword ought to terrify you as much as the lust for domination. And one of the, the things that, that is so tempting is power, is authority. And, and, it's, and it's rooted in this like selflessness, serve me, selfishness, like serve me kind of a posture. Malcolm Geit has this beautiful poem that says this, we think of him, Jesus, as safe beneath the steeple are cozy in a crib beside the font. But he is with a million displaced people on the long road of weariness and want. For even as we sing our final carol, his family is up and on that road, fleeing the wrath of someone else's quarrel, glancing behind and shouldering their load. Whilst Herod rages still from his dark tower, Christ clings to Mary, fingers tightly curled. The lambs are slaughtered by the men of power, and death squads spread their curse across the world. But every Herod dies and comes alone to stand before the lamb upon the throne. Luke sets up this contrast to show us, church, 
our way of significance, our way of influence, our way to, to be a blessing in this world is not to grab at the seats of power, is not to be a people that have postures of domineering decree and authority. But what we see here in Jesus is that we are to be a people of humble service, that we are to be gentle and lowly of heart, just like our Savior. We are to be a people that are patient, that are gentle, that are kind, that are long-suffering, that are loving, that are good. We are to be a people that others encounter and, and, and we, we love and we care, that we consider others as more important than ourselves. So many of us will sit across tables this Christmas and often the conversations of, of politics come up or, or, or there's these different points of tension with our families, there's these places of conflict that we walk through in the workplace. Also often the workplace is this place of which you just need to look out for yourself. And Jesus shows us, you wanna recognize God move amongst you? Do you wanna see the arrival of heaven amongst you? It's through selfless service. It's being gentle and lowly. It's not the way of Augustus, it's not the way of Herod, but it's the way of the Lamb. That's where we'll find our authority and significance in this world. Let's talk about another dynamic to our recognizing Jesus. Wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. One of the things that we were taught when Larissa was pregnant with our first son, Justice, was, was this. We went to a birthing class, and they told us one of the things that you have to know is how to wrap your baby. And then they said this. My ears absolutely perked up when they said this. This is called the burrito swaddle technique. And when they said that, I thought, man, I've been training for this my whole life. I got this one. And there they taught us how to wrap our child like you would a burrito. Language I could absolutely get on board with. Babies are wrapped tightly for a variety of reasons, and all of those reasons point to the baby's vulnerability. Wrapped snugly. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Babies are wrapped tightly because it places them back into the familiar environment that they were formed in. It reminds them of being secure and safe and warm in their mother's womb. The place where they were cared for, the place where they were shaped, the place where they were formed. It gives babies a sense of security, right? This tight swatter, and they would just say like, wrap them tight because babies want to be held. They want to be wrapped up. They want to be secure. They want to be safe. They want to be warm. And then, and then this, 
Our boys scratched themselves all the time. If you didn't wrap them tight, so all of a sudden, you know that arm would find its way out, and you just realize that if you didn't, like, secure this baby, they would demolish their own face. They would scratch themselves up. And so you wrap a baby tightly because they need someone else to make sure that they are cared for and protected, that their faces are not scratched. And you look at the story and you realize the Lord was wrapped in the burrito swaddle technique just like my boys were. With that level of vulnerability, with that level of humility, it just shows us something about the Lord's arrival amongst us that he arrives in this vulnerable space. You know how many times the, the heart of the Lord has just been out there for his people and his people have absolutely trampled upon his heart. He is so vulnerable, constantly giving himself to us and never holding back. The Lord is so vulnerable. And the next thing that I think about these strips of cloth is, the, is just this, and I'll, I'll do this one quickly, is listen, I love the picture of snuggly Jesus. I love the picture of snuggly Jesus. It's this, it's just this picture of rest. It's this picture of peace. It's this picture of calmness and stillness slowed down. We, 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 I think we might have an expectation that God is hurried. There's so much that's going wrong in the world around us. There's so much darkness around us. And when God arrives, he needs years to develop. Like this picture of just snuggling. Like, 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 like here's, like we just have all this urgency, right? Like, God, would you do something in the world around us? And then he goes, yeah, I'll show up as a baby and I'll just be snuggly and, and, and taking a nap. That's how I'm going to arrive amidst all of the mess and the chaos and the tension that you're living in. But what is he doing? He's showing us, here's how I arrive. I arrive with peace. I arrive with rest. I think one of the most incredible, profound promises that are given to us, listen, what God has for you is peace, is rest. The presence of God doesn't arrive with this frantic busyness. The, the presence of God doesn't arrive with this chaos, with this stress, with this anxiousness. Like this, oh no, if we don't do anything right now, it's all going to go wrong. He arrives in a posture of peace. It's not the way of frantic busyness and chaos. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. He arrives snugly. He arrives and like his first thing that he does is take a nap. And then you immediately think of him with his disciples on the boat 
And there they are amidst all the franticness and all the chaos and all the stress and all the anxiousness, all the worry, all the world's problems crashing upon them. And they look at their Savior. And what is he doing? He's sleeping. His is the way of peace. His is the way of rest. I will give rest to your soul. But there's also a curiosity that Bible students have when, when they look at this, this story of Jesus, and you've had it up on the screen, it says this, look, Luke chapter 2, the way that Luke writes it, he says this, you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. When Jesus' death and burial, when Joseph takes down or takes Jesus' body and brings it to the cave, listen to the wording of this, then he took the body down from the cross, wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth, and laid it in a new, new tomb that had been carved out of rock. And Bible students with curiosity have wondered, Luke, are you trying to teach us something here? Are you trying to show us that even at Jesus' birth, we need to be thinking about his death? Is there, is, are, what are you trying to do here? Is this part of Luke's strategy of teaching us that we should always have on our mind that Jesus came to lay down his life on our behalf? Is Luke teaching us that we should always be reminded that in all of our interactions with Jesus that he is given for us? I think it's a way to show consistency of character for Jesus. It seems to be a way to show us that Jesus' life is wrapped in the same texture. He's given for us. He came to serve. He came to give as his life as a ransom for many. The defining texture to Jesus' life is his love for us. His laying down his life on our behalf. We are the joy set before him. Every interaction Jesus will have with humanity over the course of Luke's gospel account will have the cross in the background of the story. When you read through the book of Luke, one of the things that you'll notice is that there's this constant movement that's happening in the book of Luke. Luke is constantly showing us Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. While he was on the way to Jerusalem. And he was on the way to Jerusalem. Everything about the way that Luke is writing is letting us know, listen, this is where Jesus is headed. This is the movement of his life. This is how you will recognize him amongst us. And why does Luke constantly do this? Is because I think that we constantly forget in our interactions with God that how much he loves us and how much he is for us. How quick we are to forget in our interactions with him and in, and in our prayers and in, in, in our longing before him that he is for us and he does love us. Because consistently, I know in my own life, I am always praying, don't you care? Don't you see? Would you do this? I think so often the texture of our own prayers and lives is this place of wondering, like, God, do I need to convince you? Do I need to say the right things? What is going on here? Why are you not arriving? Why are you not providing? Do you not, do you not see the struggle that we're all going through? And, and listen, when you read through here at the very beginning, at Jesus' birth, he's letting us know everything that Jesus does is clothed with the same love and passion of the cross. All that he does is filled with that same fierce passion for you. 
everything that Jesus does is, is, is shrouded, is clothed, is cloaked in the love of the cross. Every interaction is always communicating to us, I love you and I am for you. And I came to lay down my life on your behalf to serve you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. I'm so familiar with the Christmas story, it's difficult to stop and to recognize the shock of the words. The angels say, listen, we've got good news of great joy. The Savior, the Messiah, yes, the Lord, right, is, is here. And, and this, is, this is how you will recognize him. You'll recognize him by this sign. If we were to just stop the story right there, right there, before they say what the sign is, we would probably be thinking, right, you think about the significance, the power, the authority of those three descriptors of Jesus. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord is here. Here's, how, here's the sign. Here's how you will recognize this person of significance. I would think that it would be you're going to go to this palace, you're going to see this throne. There is going to be a massive parade. It's going to be like was thrown for Aladdin when he was Prince Ali, right? Like, like here's how you're going to know his arrival amongst us. He's got 95 white Persian monkeys, and to view them, he charges no fee. He's got 10,000 servants and flunkies. They bow to his whim, love serving him. Prince Ali, mighty is he, Ali Ababwa, right? Like, that it's that kind of a party that you're going to recognize the presence of Jesus amongst you, because it's the savior it's the messiah it's the lord this is the sign not a palace not a robe not a scepter not a parade not a crown a manger that's the throne that the father chooses for his son the manger you will recognize Jesus in the humble places. You will recognize Jesus in the forgotten spaces. You will recognize Jesus on the outside spaces, the rejected spots, the poor places. When Lurus and I were working for a nonprofit in Olympia, Washington, we lived in West Olympia, and we would drive to downtown Olympia. And we, would, we were working at a, at a youth center. It was a youth center that was, that was made available to, to young adults, older teenagers that were living on the streets. And it was a drop-in center. It kind of acted like a place where we were almost like case managers and just help them amidst all the, the things that they were trying to do just to get like one more step forward in life. And, but our daily commute was a constant reminder to us 
because to get from West Olympia to downtown Olympia, you had to cross the Fourth Avenue Bridge. The students that we served lived under that bridge. Every day, every day was a drive where we drove over the places that they slept. And that was the place of ministry. We visited the Fourth Avenue Bridge. We helped clean up the Fourth Avenue Bridge. We prayed for the students underneath the Fourth Avenue Bridge. And the vast, vast majority of Olympia drove over that bridge, no idea that there were young adults and older teenagers that were living there. No idea that that was their place of community. And that was our place of service. That was the place that we longed for Jesus to arrive, for Jesus to find people. And while the rest of the world was ignorant to people living under that space, God, God knew those teenagers by name and knows those teenagers by name. You will recognize Jesus in the humble places, the forgotten spaces, the poor places, the rejected places. You will recognize the Savior of the world when you see a baby in a manger. And you better let that scene shape your understanding of where you will regularly find Jesus hanging out. That setting will set us up for all the places that you will find Jesus hanging out over the course of the book of Luke. You will find him hanging out with the tax collectors. You will find him hanging out with the prostitutes. You will find him hanging out with, the, with those with leprosy. You will find him hanging out with the women. You will find him hanging. I mean, you just keep on going down the list of those that society said these were the outcasts and these were the rejected. These are the ones that there was no room for. Who else was there no room for? The baby Jesus. He will go to the places that, that there's not room for. He will go to the forgotten people. He will go to the rejected people. He will go to the lonely people. He will go to the broken people. He will go to the desperate people. He will go to the sinning people. Those are the places that he will hang out. Those are the places that you will find him. J.P. Lang says it this way, the lowly birth of the Savior of the world coincides exactly with the nature of his kingdom. His birth is teaching us how to live. And here's my prayer for us. May we have hope and trust that, would, that Jesus will meet us in our lowly place. May we be reminded that in the darkest, most difficult places of our life, those are exactly the places that Jesus loves to hang out.
But it may also be a reminder to us, listen, our aspiration isn't to be great and mighty like Augustus, but our hearts will be gentle and lowly like our Savior's. We will be regularly reminded and surprised, we'll be regularly surprised by by the places our Lord expresses his love and grace for us and his desire to serve us. But, and we will also be regularly be, be, be shaped to, to care about the lowly places in the world around us. We, we, will, we will be trained and taught and discipled by messengers from heaven to care about the rejected and lonely places. Because it's in those exact places that we might come across the presence of Jesus. And the contrast for the church is intentional by Luke. Will we be of the line of Augustus or will we be of the line of Jesus? Will we find our power, our significance through domineering authority or will it be through humble service? And my prayer for us today is that we will recognize Jesus amongst us in surprising places this week. The places that we think there's no hope the places that we believe are overcome by darkness, the places that we deem as insignificant, the places that we might call an inconvenience, may we treat those places as jam-packed, filled with potential to find the presence of God at work. Here comes heaven. Here comes heaven. And here's how you'll recognize his presence amongst you. His presence leaves us speechless and joyful. His arrival is not domineering decree, but humble service. His his presence is vulnerable and approachable. His presence is peaceful. It is the way of rest and not frantic busyness. His presence is consistent with the love and the passion of the cross. And we are reminded that he loves for his presence to be found in the lonely, forgotten, and rejected places of life. You will recognize him. But may your expectations constantly be shattered for the places that you'll recognize him. Church, let me pray for us. Father, we sing this morning, we sang this morning about your glory. We sing about your glory, to just shout of your glory, to, sh- to just share in the songs of the angels as we, as we declare your glory amongst us. And Father, this morning what we ask is, is that we would see your glory in places that we don't have, currently have expectation for. Father, I I think of our global partners right now. I think of of our global partners that are working in in places where, man, ministry has been so challenging and so difficult. We have global partners literally on on the doorsteps of, of war and violence. And we pray that they would see the tangible weight of your glory in those places. For our global partners that are serving rejected orphans, for our global partners that are serving people that, that are currently literally blind 
sitting in darkness, for our global partners that are, that are serving those that have been, have been taken captive, like literally in, in the places of, of servitude and bondage, for our global partners that are on college campuses, for our global partners that are, that are getting to know their, their neighbors and their friends amongst communities and societies, um, that the vast majority of them don't know you and don't want to know you, may, may your glory shine amongst them. And Father, for your beloved saints here in this room, for those that have been praying and crying out, Lord, I long to see you. I long to see you move. I long to see your arrival here in my life. Jesus, I pray that the radiance of your glory would shine around them this week. Father, this week ahead, as we head into, into Christmas time, as we're going to be interacting with friends, with neighbors, with family members, Jesus, may we continue to, take the, to have the same clothing as Jesus. May we be a people that are gentle, that are, that are kind, that are humble, that are, that are long-suffering, that are joyful. Lord, may, may we be a people that are, that are good, that embody your goodness. And Father, I also pray that just amidst our mundane and ordinary moments this week, that in our waking up and our going to sleep, Lord, that we would have an awareness of your presence. Lord, we continue to desire, the deep desire of our hearts is that we want to recognize you. We want to have greater awareness for you. And so, Father, I pray, would you continue to shape us, teach us, disciple us in the way of recognizing your presence amongst us, we pray. So we say those things in Jesus' name. Amen.